Welcome to Brain Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com, where smart happens. Hi, I'm Marshall Brain, and welcome back for the third installment of our Friday News Roundup. What's the biggest thing that happened this week? From a technology and hype standpoint, it's probably the whole Jeopardy thing and IBM's Watson supercomputer. The system has almost 3,000 cores and 15 terabytes of RAM, not 15 gigabytes, 15 trillion bytes of RAM. That gives it about 2,000 times the power of today's $1,000 desktop machine that you might get at Best Buy or someplace like that. So how did Watson answer all these questions on Jeopardy? According to IBM, they fed Watson one terabyte of plain text information. So they fed it the entire English version of Wikipedia, which is something like 17 million articles and 14 gigabytes of text information. They also fed it another entire encyclopedia, a whole dictionary, a thesaurus, the internet movie database, and lots and lots of other stuff. They didn't have to structure that data. It all went in as plain text, so it wasn't like human beings sat there and made little knowledge structures out of it or something like that. This plain text went in, and that's what Watson used when he was answering these questions. Because they used plain text, what they're hoping is that this technology can be used to create much better question-answering systems in the real world in the future, say for a call center or for doctors to use with medical information or something like that. You could imagine Google one day being able to really answer any question you ask it in plain English with a good, solid answer, and that would be a nice thing. Blip. Speaking of supercomputers, the Department of Energy is hoping to get $126 million to spend on the first exascale supercomputer. This would be a major accomplishment since the fastest supercomputers today are in the one petaflop range. A petaflop is a quadrillion floating point operations per second, which is a thousand trillion floating point operations. An exaflop would be a thousand times faster than a petaflop or a quintillion floating point operations per second. So for comparison, it's thought that the human brain, the one that's sitting inside your head right now, is doing about 10 petaflops, maybe. They're organized really well. You know, you have a vision processor and a language processor and, I don't know, a Justin Bieber processor if you're a teenager. But we are getting there in terms of raw computing power to the point where you could simulate a human brain in theory. Blip. So how long will it be until you have a petaflop in your pocket? We got a little closer this week when NVIDIA announced its new Cal-L 4-core Tegra processor. Supposedly, we will see four cores in tablets and smartphones by the end of this summer, say August of 2011. Plus, this chip includes a 12-core graphics card on the chip as well, and it uses just two watts or so. It's an amazing accomplishment, considering the same thing in a typical laptop consumes about 50 watts right now. It means incredible computing power and incredible battery life. NVIDIA demonstrated it displaying movies on a 1440p display, not a 1080p display, a 1440p display, which is 
2,560 pixels wide and 1,440 pixels high. That's almost twice as many pixels as HDTV, and it's pretty common now to find high-end monitors with that many pixels. So in theory, you can get a tablet computer in August, plug it into your giant... 1440p monitor and watch movies in the highest resolution ever blip i did a podcast a couple weeks ago where i talked about the toy helicopter i bought for the kids it can fly for about seven minutes and it's very precise when you're controlling it with the remote control this week darpa showed off its new spy hummingbird It flies and looks a lot like a hummingbird, plus it has a wireless video camera and microphone on board. So it can fly, land, and then send an audio and video feed to whoever wants to look at it. You can probably expect to see one of these perched in a tree in your yard in the near future. If you want to see a video of this hummingbird in flight, type interesting reading number 689 into Google. Blip. Scientists have discovered a species of multicellular life that can survive in space. Not in a spaceship, but in actual space, including the hard vacuum, the cosmic rays, the extreme temperature changes, and all the rest. The species is called a water bear. A typical water bear is about a millimeter long when it's an adult. It has eight legs and a hard outer shell. They don't mind being completely dried out, and then they come back to life when you put them in water. Several thousand water bears were sent into orbit for 10 days, and when they were put into water, some of them were still alive and they were able to reproduce. None of them became a million times larger and started to rampage a nearby city, though, unfortunately. Might have to send something else into space to get the Godzilla effect. Blip. Supposedly, the NPR show called This American Life is on the verge of cracking the secret recipe for Coca-Cola, and this recipe is now circulating on the Internet. Everything appears to be known except for one super-secret ingredient called 7X, which This American Life is trying to crack as well. So what's in Coke? To make 5 gallons of syrup, you start with 2.5 gallons of water and 30 pounds of sugar. Then you put in things like caffeine, lime juice, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, lemon and orange oil, and even a cup of alcohol. If you go to interesting reading number 688, you can find the details of the recipe. But here's the thing. I went to the grocery store this week, and a 2-liter bottle of Coke is only 99 cents. It's probably easier to just buy it. Blip. Do you want to get rid of a cold? I did a blog post this week about one way to do it using antihistamines and mucus thinner on day one. The idea is that if you see a cold coming on, like you start to get that scratchy throat and the runny nose and the sneezing or whatever, on that very first day, if you hit it with antihistamines and mucus thinner and blowing your nose a lot and using warm compresses, you can get a lot of the crud out and that takes a lot of the virus particles with it. Now science has proven that there's another thing you can do to stop colds, and this really works according to research. It's zinc. They looked across dozens of studies, and they determined that if you suck on zinc lozenges on day one, it really does help to shorten the duration of the cold. It might cut the duration in half, for example, and it cuts way down on the cough part of the cold. Blip. 
Colds can make you miserable, but science demonstrated another way to bring on misery this week. It's Facebook. The more Facebook friends you have, supposedly, the worse this Facebook effect gets. According to TechEye.net, quote, a study from the psychology department of Edinburgh Napier University concludes that, all in all, the negative effects from being on Facebook are outweighed by the benefits of staying in touch with friends and family, end quote. Plus, a New Jersey cop recommended this week that if you're a parent, you need to steal your kid's Facebook password to keep track of what they're doing on Facebook. If that wouldn't make you miserable, I don't know what would. You can look up interesting reading number 688 for details. Blip. China is gearing up to make nuclear power from thorium. I've written a fair amount about thorium power on the blog because it's theoretically going to have a lot of advantages over uranium power if you can get the bugs worked out. Thorium is plentiful, and it doesn't produce much high-level nuclear waste at all, meaning that no rogue nations are going to be producing nuclear bombs out of a thorium power plant. Plus, the power plants can be a lot smaller than a typical uranium power plant. But the U.S. and Canada have largely ignored thorium completely. They aren't looking at it really at all. If China could make it work, it would bring in a new era of cheap power without the carbon emissions of coal, and that would be a big deal in China. Blip. You may have heard of thermoelectric generators. They turn heat directly into electricity. The most famous thermoelectric generators in the universe are on the Voyager spacecraft. Here they take decaying plutonium to generate heat, and the thermoelectric generator makes electricity from that heat for decades. That's why these Voyager spacecraft were able to go off like I think they launched in the 70s, and they're still transmitting little bits of data today. Plutonium has a half-life of 87 years, I think, so you can make a radioactive thermoelectric generator that has a really, really long lifespan. Well, here on Earth, it'd be great to have thermoelectric generators as well. For example, you might hook one up to your hot exhaust pipe and be able to generate electricity without having to have an alternator that's sucking up engine power. That would be a really nice way to increase fuel efficiency. But we haven't had materials that generate enough electricity from heat to make that practical. This week, scientists announced that they have created a new material for thermoelectric generators that's 25% better at generating electricity. So in theory, if they can bring this to market, we could see all kinds of interesting ways to generate power from waste heat. Blip. NASA announced its design for a manned deep space vehicle this week. This might be the kind of craft, for example, to take people to Mars or maybe even to Jupiter. It comes complete with a giant inflatable centrifuge to simulate gravity, huge storage areas for food and water, living quarters, robot arms, landing craft, and so on. There are pictures of it on the BrainStuff blog if you're interested. If you type BrainStuff MMSEV, that's MMSEV into Google, you can find the blog post. MMSEV stands for Multi-Mission Space Exploration Vehicle. One of the interesting things about it is that it's expandable, so you could have a short version of it for a moon mission and then make it much longer if you need to go to Mars or Jupiter. Blip. 
Speaking of NASA, they announced this week the possibility of a ginormous planet way out beyond Pluto in the Oort cloud. They think it might be there because it might explain why comets from the Oort cloud get deflected toward the sun. It would need to be about four times bigger than Jupiter if it were to really exist out there. Other scientists think the idea of such a huge planet is nuts. If you Google interesting reading number 687, you can read about the controversy. Blip. The Mars 500 mission landed on Mars this week. You may recall that this is a big experiment that locks six people in a large wooden spacecraft simulator sitting on the ground in Russia. They go through all the motions of a real Mars flight, including the isolation, the transmission delays, the interpersonal relationship messes, and so on. Imagine being cooped up with six people in an RV for more than a year, and you kind of get the idea of what it would be like on this mission. This week, three members of the mission, you know, in simulation, descended down onto Mars and got to walk around on simulated Martian soil collecting samples. It's called the Mars 500 thing because the whole simulation is going to take 520 days to simulate the trip out and then the landing and then the trip back. They launched back on June 3rd of 2010. Blip. And finally, you may have heard that drug smugglers have used all kinds of tricks to bring drugs into the United States. They have people swallow the drugs, they put them inside the tires of trucks, they fly them in in private airplanes, they tunnel between Mexico and the United States with great big long tunnels with little railroads inside of them. They've tried all kinds of stuff. There have also been some small submarines built, but this week the most amazing of the narco submarines surfaced. It was captured in Colombia. It's a 100 feet long, and it could hold 8 tons of cocaine. There are photos of it if you're interested. Go to interesting reading number 687. So until next time, I'm Marshall Brain. Have a great weekend. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And don't forget to check out the BrainStuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. You can also follow BrainStuff on Facebook or Twitter at BrainStuffHSW. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. <laughs>